inspiring and advancing Stoics to another episode of Meet the Modern Stoics. This is where today's leading Stoic advocates share ancient wisdom that you can apply for better living today. I'm your host, Scott Perry, creator of the StoicGuitarist.com. Get guided and go Stoic. Adopt the posture of a bulletproof creative, the mindset of a thriving artist, and deliver better work to the right people. Remember that Stoicism is a philosophy of action, not navel-gazing. Listen to the wisdom delivered in this episode, and then apply it to your life, your work, and relationships today. Let's meet today's guest. Welcome, aspiring and advancing Stoics, to today's broadcast of Meet the Modern Stoics. These are 30-minute introductions to the great work of today's leading Stoic advocates. Our guest today is Travis Hume. Travis, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself to our audience and please share a Stoic-related project you're currently working on or excited about. Hey, it's good to be here. Um, I'm excited to contribute. I hope that everyone uh, benefits from the conversations we're about to have. Um, So there is a new article that I'm going to be working on uh, for modern stoicism. The article that that I'm working on is focused on the difficulty of finding a career. And as as somebody that is trying to come out of school and is trying to find uh, fiscal self-sufficiency, it's there's a lot that is required of someone um, that is in a position where they're coming out of school where there's typically a requirement for uh, work experience or additional education. And um, I'm using my own experiences, which is a common theme of applying stoicism, um, to try to overcome these challenges, these conventional challenges, and to, and if I can't overcome the uh, conventional challenges, to understand why that is and to make peace with it. The, the, beginning, the beginning of the article focuses a lot on explaining what I just kind of went over, that it's, it's very difficult to find a conventional career um, in which you are able to support yourself, take care of all the costs of living elements, um, rent, um, paying any debts that you're likely to accrue and trying to pursue a uh, college education of being willing to take on work experiences such as internships that may not be adequately paying or they may last a very long time and you have to balance them with another job that you have um, and multiple jobs being an unfortunately common thing in the United States in order to account for um, the accruing of debts and the like and trying to um, live on your own. The second half of the article focuses a lot on discussing why that is, why there's this feeling, this constant imperative to get that big job and to uh, be in a position where not only are you taking care of your basic costs of living, which everybody is dealing with, but you are also able to get that next big thing, or you're going to be in a position where you are going to be considered um, top dog, or you're going to be, you know, thought of 
as wow, you know, I I want to make sure that I'm on his good side because you know he's he's the manager or he's um, he's somebody that you don't want to mess with. Different people have different motivations for the career, but out of out of a common theme, out of the common themes that I've heard people talk about on an almost daily basis, people are concerned about work primarily or that that almost mythical job that you you're supposed to stick with uh, for the rest of your life and and to be benefited from the article argues that it's not necessary to get that mythical career or job in order to be happy or to be self-sufficient in the way that matters and part of the argument is is that human beings like other animals require only the very basics in order to survive. We only need, we don't even need like three meals a day, really. Like like they can be portioned to be smaller. Um, we do need water. That's a big thing, you know. Uh, we need clothes. We need shelter because we don't have fur or anything like that. So we're very vulnerable to extreme heat or extreme cold, that sort of thing. But beyond those considerations, anything that we try to provide in in light of those basic needs is on its face excessive. Now these things, according to the Stoics, it's okay to, to want to, you know, to wear comfortable clothes. You know, you not, you don't have to wear like a potato sack. That's not what I'm like advocating or anything. Um, you, you can want comfortable living space and that you can have, you can, it's okay to want a space where you have like, your different like organizational stuff like this goes in this box and this goes in this corner that sort of thing um but it's important not to depend your peace of mind on it that's that's where the line is drawn is that it's okay to appreciate these things for the time that you have it for the time that you have it but it's it ceases to be okay for the stoics to go beyond that point and say that this having this thing is in some way representative of the value of my life. That's that's where they they draw the line. Um, so yeah, that's that's the biggest project that I'm working on. Um, other things include trying to seek out sites uh, to add to the resource list on AppliingStoicism.com. I it, it's been difficult for me to find resource lists that. Are, are comprehensive or or up to date and and if they are out there i want to i want to know about them so that i can communicate with that person and say you know it, do you have any anything that you can uh send my way i'll try to send whatever stuff that i'm aware of towards your way that sort of thing um in my personal life i'm taking everything that that i'm learning and all of my previous work experiences and i'm effectively dumping it into this article, which is what I've done with the articles beforehand. So yeah, that's it's my, it's, it's content complete. Um, I put it through a couple of rounds of editing, so it's good to go. Fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. It seems uh, as you were talking about um, your article, one thing that went through my mind was, you know, we're, you're certainly addressing uh, and you brought this out in kind of, you know, in the Maslow's hierarchy, we've got most, most if, you, if you're watching this broadcast, you have everything you need to, to live. Um, and, you know, so we're really kind of talking about first world problems. I mean, people that are coming out of a college experience and, 
and working their first job, obviously, um, uh, you know, that, that that's a, and whether or not you're satisfied with that is maybe a, not a bad problem to have. But one of the things that um, I remember really striking me when I read Bill Irvine's book um, is uh, this idea of being grateful for what you already have. Um, does your article address you know, that, that practice, that stoic practice of kind of being grateful for, you know, where you are and, and what's at your disposal right in the here and now? Yes. Um, a big, a big part of the transition between the first and last half of the article is this idea that you need to take your assignment of value and, and write it in uh, a lot harder than you perhaps uh, would be if you if you are going to start practicing stoicism uh, to the extent that I would personally recommend. It's it's going to be necessary for there to be an exchange or or a trade of some kind. It doesn't mean again that you can't want like an upgrade for your computer if you're like a computer you know enthusiast or to it doesn't mean that you have to stop wanting a bigger house, that sort of thing. The, the biggest element is avoiding or controlling for the dependence of, of your mind on these things. Because what, what happens is, is that if you start depending your peace of mind on these things, as a natural consequence, you are giving, to some extent, control of your mind to the people that are currently considered in control of those things or are manipulating those things so that if you are having conversations with them, you are likely in the back of your mind to some extent thinking, I hope that I don't say or do anything that will affect my chances of getting this thing or I need to make sure that I say this thing in this way to make sure that they uh, respond in this way that might get me a better chance of um, securing this thing or lowering the price of it or increasing the frequency of it or however uh, you want to word that. So these these external benefits, these external things that are nice to have and nice to experience, they're going to be coming and going all the time. They have been ever since our first memories. I mean, unless, you know, I'm experienced, <laughs> unless there's some kind of uh, like philosophical like dream situation that I heard talking about like college where it's like how can you how can you be sure that your experience isn't the only one that's out there and what if you're dreaming and I know that there's a philosophy group out there somewhere that you know maintains that and they all joke about it and they're like well I'll see you next Christmas like it's as soon as the person stops talking like they're like I'll, I'll miss you when you stop existing after I stop thinking about this conversation um, that kind of thing but going going off topic so this this idea that you want to appreciate it, you can appreciate it. There's nothing stopping you from appreciating it. But if you go beyond appreciating these things, which can go from uh, simple objects to like the books that I have happen to have like besides me that I was reading up on, um, to uh, friends, family, pets, those sort of things, um, understanding that the nature of these things is temporary. There's no, there's no arguing that you, you can't. You can't process it another way. Um, one day, they will have to be gone just because of their properties as physical things. Um, so there's there's multiple advantages to acknowledging that they have these physical temporary natures, and that 
to give you an example, um, one of my uh, previous managers, he was this, he was playing racquetball and he jumped and he he really went for it according to him where he like he leapt like sideways and tried to hit the ball and he ended up crushing his hand against the wall and he had to go to the hospital he had surgery and so on and he said that because of the conversations that i've had with him on this specific point he said yeah my right hand is kind of really battered up right now but the damage wasn't extensive enough to make it so that I'd lose functionality of it. Or I also have the ability to still touch or manipulate objects. I can still see, I can still hear, I can still smell, that sort of thing. And that's that's the premise, that's the goal, is to effectively practice enough to say possibly once a day. It's The frequency is up to you, but once a day saying the the things that I'm experiencing that are nice are are only there for so long, but they're still there. They're still present in some extent. And that brings out a natural response of appreciation for those things. And it also has an effect on uh, negative or non-preferential type things, um, such as like a car accident or driving around and somebody beeping behind you and you don't know why, or um, long lines in like a grocery store, that sort of thing. Any one of the million minor inconveniences and major inconveniences that happen on like a day-to-day basis. Saying to yourself in that moment, drawing your attention to the fact that this discomfort that I'm feeling, the sound and the combination of uh, different like heat or um, physical properties that I'm experiencing right now is temporary. So it's just a matter of time until they just naturally cease. And, and that in that moment, brings about feelings of calm or patience or endurance or resilience, uh, however you would want to word that. I find in my own practice that I, I often will um, catch myself appreciating a misfortune or discomfort because it reminds me about that, of how, how good I have it most of the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I did sleep well last night, um, I'll be grateful for a poor night's sleep because it reminds me that for the last, the previous five nights, I had slept very, very well. Um, and again, it re- kind of contextualizes the extent of yeah. the, the problem. Um, one of the things that also was coming to mind as you were talking about this, which I think kind of um, intersects with the work that that I do at the Stoic Creative is, in the, at the Stoic Creative, I have this process for helping people dial in their creative purpose. And it's basically... Uh, a Venn diagram where you take who you are, which is what your values are, the things, the values that are your your true value, your moral character. You have your true talents, the things that you're really good at, not not book learned skills or school learned skills, but um, kind of uh, things that you are naturally and intuitively good at, your soft skills. And then the third is uh, an audience or a group of people that shares your values and needs your talents to solve a problem or further themselves in some way. And if you kind of find the spot at the intersection of all that, that's where your creative purpose lies. And knowing all those things can really help you um, derive more a, a better sense of flourishing and thriving in the work that you do because you're you're doing the work that you're meant to do or that you're naturally good at for people that that you respect and and who 
you know, value your contribution. Um, And when you were talking about the person coming out of college and kind of having to slog through an internship or a low paying or entry level job, um, I wonder if some of that same, it, it seems to me based on my foggy recollection of my experience entering the working world, um, that I did not really spend a lot of time kind of mindfully thinking about, you know, who, who was I really, what was I really good at? What did I, and what was the work that I really wanted to do? I just kind of, I'd had a bunch of great experiences um, with great teachers after some experiences with not great teachers. I just kind of decided I wanted to be a teacher. And since my favorite teacher was a history teacher, I decided I'd be a history teacher. And I exited college and began doing that at some pretty prestigious private institutions, only to find within three years that I did not enjoy that work. I did not enjoy that environment. Um, I loved working with the students themselves, but Um, dealing with their parents, dealing with the bureaucracy of the school and the administration, um, and kind of uh, dealing with the the vagaries of, you know, kind of academic politics and all that just was totally sucked any joy out of that. And so I ended up kind of going off in a completely different path that fortunately turned out to be a very good path for me as a professional musician. Um, But I feel like I was just really lucky. And, uh, you know, it just seems that at that point in our lives, we're not spending a lot of time bringing our capacity for rationality and reason to our entry into the the social realm, which is such a key component of stoic um, principles and practices. Right. Uh, and in my personal experiences, in my personal experience, uh, before I started practicing stoicism, I, I was very much reacting to everything. It's, it's very few times that I remember actually feeling as though I was taking the initiative for myself. Um, that's that's a lot uh, to to talk about to refer to. I want to respond to like all of it um, at the same time. Um, so in, in response to the beginning of, of the statement that, that you just made, um, I, I had a similar experience where I, as a resident assistant, which was very much informed by my desire to practice uh, Stoic philosophy in, in a space where my conduct was being constantly observed, where I was... Um, I was able to contribute resources or to um, speak to the residents that I was working with in such a way to uh, inspire them to do the right thing uh, more frequently, uh, that sort of thing. And as as an extension of of a resident assistant type position, I wanted to further that. I wanted to say, okay, what's what's the next step? Because I can't be a resident assistant forever because it's contingent on you being um, you having like current attendance as a student. So uh, the next step up was graduate assistant, but unfortunately um, it, it does, there may be a stipend, but it wasn't sufficient enough to take care of my living expenses. That was, it was the only thing. And it was uh, through limited periods of the year. And the step up from a graduate assistant who's effectively an assistant to the residence director was the residence director position itself, which is responsible for about 400 to 500 students in a residence hall. And it was around the end of my college career 
uh, when I was trying to set these different like building blocks up to make it so that I might have somewhat of a chance of getting a residence director position that I met my uh, fiance. So uh, life took a very solidly different direction. I started drawing from my volunteering experience at like special needs organizations and that developed into a couple of years working with uh, special needs or emotional support students. But in the back of my head, I was I was thinking that, you know, things took a pretty solid direction, like off to the side. Maybe I can combine these different elements that happen to have happened in the way that they did. So I tried to pursue becoming a residence director. Um, I applied to about 120 positions uh, across the country. Unfortunately, I I got three interviews, but they didn't pan out. There was a couple of things that they had issues with, such as a lack of title, like on paper management type experience, and the other being a master's degree. So it's typically that forms the basis for the first part of the article that I'm working on, where um, there are these expectations that despite your best efforts, they might be weighted far more heavily than you're able to prepare for. Um, so despite my best efforts, including uh, a stint for one of the uh, positions that I had an interview for, where for four days straight, from the time that I woke up to the time that I went to bed, I researched this university. And there was like different comments in the interview where they were like, wow, this guy knows more about the university than we do. Ha ha ha. That sort of thing. And unfortunately, I did not get that position. So in in a similar way to my experience trying to become a, a resident assistant for the first time, and trying to become a resident instructor, I, I recognized more and more that life is a series of causes. Um, it's there. Marcus Aurelius mentions this that um, different events happen to you that are form of this uh, chain of events that happens back as far as you can remember. Um, so it's it's what you do with what's in front of you and how you turn that material into practice that is that is the at the core of of the practice of learning what to do with these external opportunities or things or negative um, situations. Uh, Marcus Aurelius mentions that the quality of reason is a lot like a fire where you can heap up as much stuff onto it as you want and it just gets bigger and more uh, more intense. It's a, um, I, I, you just kind of wove in that kind of, uh, I guess it's not really the stoic terminology, but amor fati, just, you know, the, the, uh, acknowledgement of fate and, um, you know, accepting that things happen as they happen, um, doesn't mean that you just sit back and wait for things to happen, but you, you know, uh, you do your best. One of the things that we all, that my community is, very frequently bringing up is the stoic archer metaphor and how focusing on hitting the bullseye is just uh, or putting your your happiness in in reach to hitting the bullseye is really going to lead to a pretty miserable existence mm -hmm. but if instead you place uh, set your goal as being able to do the very best you can with the training and and, and uh, uh training and tools that you have up to that moment or in that moment and given the conditions that are happening at that time uh, and just doing the best you can at that moment is kind of the best is, is a recipe for happiness. And then every, everything becomes a lesson instead of 
the, the be all and end all, uh, you know, either a goal attained or a goal not attained and therefore either a goal uh, that gives you ju jubilation or one that throws you into severe depression. So um, really, I can't wait for the article. It sounds like it's really, uh, it sounds like it's targeted for people uh, much younger than I, but I, I will, I'm sure, derive some wisdom from it. Um, we are at about the 25 minute mark and I wanna make sure that um, this, the people that are viewing have uh, an opportunity to connect with you wherever you live online where where would you like um, members of my audience and the people that that um, stumble upon this broadcast to to learn more about the work that you're doing and and where can they get the article when it's published uh, the the main site that I would recommend them to go to is applying stoicism.com and that has links to the different social media accounts uh, the Facebook including most notably the Facebook group which is where this all started um, I that was the original place where I said, I'm going to throw up the different things that I am thinking about and writing about. And if it helps somebody, then it helps somebody. Um, here's the Google Plus uh, uh, kind of mirror to the Facebook group, uh, which is, as as I just said, a mirror. So all the there's you're not going to miss out anything if you're part of the Google Plus. Um, the Twitter account for uh, applying stoicism is apply underscore stoicism because of an issue with the character limit that was just one off so that was that was fun that was something i had to accept and make peace with right. um that is more of like uh, a news feed of different short updates um occasionally i'll post quotes on there but their stoic quotes are pretty long in a lot of cases so it's pretty rare that uh quotes will end up on there Otherwise, the best place to look for the article, uh, first and foremost, is uh, in the in the near future uh, on modern stoicism. I, I'm not certain if a date has been hammered out yet, and I don't want to I don't want to say anything that might um, be incorrect. But it will also make its way pretty quickly onto the applying stoicism website, and it will be posted in in the uh, Facebook and Google Plus group and the Twitter feed. Excellent. And um, I know that uh, um, Greg Sadler is the one that's curating uh, that the blog at Modern Stoicism and doing a really great job. There's uh, a ton of wisdom for our viewers there at the Modern Stoicism site. But I want to highly recommend that people check out um, your uh, Applying Stoicism site. And if, if for no other reason than to check out the resource guide, which um, I, that's really how you and I began our conversation. You asked mm -hmm. if you could link to my site. Um, and when I checked out that guide, I, I well, I was very flattered that, to be included. There's um, some really high company there. And uh, it's a it's a fantastic resource, Travis. And thank you for um, thank you for for putting that out there. You're, well, you're very welcome. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Remember, the wisdom of Travis Hume that he just shared is useless until you use it. So if you're still with us, we appreciate your time and attention. If you'd like to help ensure the continued development and delivery of this broadcast, visit thestoiccreative.com and click the Fuel tab in the upper right-hand corner and then decide what to do next. Now, go out there and do better for more, and we'll look forward to seeing you all next time. Thank you so much, Travis. Really appreciate your time. Yep, anytime. Thank you for having me. 
Did you enjoy this episode of Meet the Modern Stoics? Then help me spread the stoic goodness and leave a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend about the podcast or email me at scott at thestoicguitars.com. Tell me what you think or who I should have on next. It's always great to hear from you. Remember, you can access all of the video versions of these interviews at thestoicguitarist.com. And while you're there, grab the free resource guide and checklist on how to become a bulletproof creative and a thriving artist in any endeavor or enterprise. Thanks for tuning in and for your support and participation. See you next time, fate permitting.